Haku's coming up. of Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily uh, here on twitch.tv slash Ultimate Fantasy Sports or possibly you may be watching on our YouTube channel which you can find at Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. You can also find all of our shows in audio format. If you like to listen on your commute, you can do that as well. Uh, just search wherever you find your podcast at Ultimate fantasy sports network once again my name is dean millard i'll be your host for the next two hours monday to friday 4 to 6 p.m we are here for this show uh to try to first of all help you win your fantasy league and make it better but also secondly uh to entertain you uh for a couple hours maybe distract you uh from the day-to-day speaking of this uh justin herbert day-to-day with a fractured rib no kidding uh, let me put on my surprise face because he took so many hits last Thursday after the Chiefs, but only missed one play. So we'll see uh, what that means for the Chargers and their situation as we move forward. Something that we will ask Andy. Andy McNamara is going to join us today as he usually joins us on Thursdays, but we're bumping him up today and getting in your questions. So if you have a question for Andy, Please drop it in social media. Use the hashtag AskAndy. We will find it. Or you can join us on Twitch in the message board and drop your question in there. Andy will join us at 4.20 Eastern Time. 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Tom Gazzola from TSN 1260. Camps are underway. Uh, some notable absences from some camps. A lot of interesting storylines around the National Hockey League that will affect fantasy. And we'll take a look at the Montreal Canadiens in our Dauber Hockey Preview. The Canadiens have some really nice pieces, but just not for this year. I don't I don't think that Uri Slavkovsky is going to make a massive impact in the NHL. I'd love to be wrong, and I love rookies coming out, but I think you'll see him stay in North America and play at least probably to start in Montreal and then end up in Laval. But we'll get through the Canadians as we go. Our top three questions of the day, games to watch, and it's fill-in-the-blank Wednesday. So we'll play fill-in-the-blanks a little bit later on when it comes to fantasy. I want to tell you that Dauber Hockey has filled a void. Uh, if you're looking for your NHL player news, your daily news, no more Roto World, no more NBC Edge, Dauber Hockey has you covered. So check them out at DauberHockey.com. We'll have the Dauber Hockey preview later today, the Montreal Canadiens. All right, uh, here is the question of the day. Uh, we start every show with the question of the day. And we're getting so close to both of these guys in Major League Baseball, Aaron Judge and Albert Pujols, um, I guess surpassing or making history. Who are you more intrigued by? 
Judge is at 60, and we'll show you 60 and tell you a little bit more about what's going on with him. Or Albert Pujols chasing 700, who's at, he's at 698. So this isn't uh, who's the MVP, which we can talk about as well. You know, this is obviously Judge is having a way better season than Pujols, but Pujols is having a way better career. Both of them, Hall of Famers, Pujols is for sure. Judge likely gets there as well. But 700 home runs or 62? What's more intriguing for you? For me, I look at it and it's Aaron Judge trying to break that mythical number of 62, trying to reach that mythical number of 62. You remember, he, he's tied Ruth now. He's got 60. That was the number until Maris Mantle went on their chase. So Maris gets 61. Nobody has done that since 61. That is intriguing to me. There are other baseball players that have 700 home runs. There's only one American League player to have 61 home runs in a season. And the fact that this record has stood for so long and the fact that, you know, I just, like, this season ends and Albert Pujols ends at, like, 699 and retires, I still know he had an incredible career, great chase for 700. And I'm always going to remember his career as a whole. If Judge get, doesn't get 61, which would be crazy, because he's got 15 games to get one home run, nobody's really going to remember this season that much. Now, if he gets 62, everybody's going to remember it. So for that reason, and this question that I'm basically posing myself and to you, I'm going with Judge. If Pujols doesn't get there, I'm still, you know, I'm a little bit disappointed, but it's still like, wow, what a great career. If Judge doesn't get to 61, it's just another good season in my opinion. Now, he gets to 62, and it's miraculous. And we'll show you later on where he is in the grand scheme of things. Uh, you know, everybody on that list except him and Maris played in the juiced era. So that's the question of the day. Chime in at Duck Millard on Twitter or right here on uh, Twitch. Let me know what you think. Uh, and we can uh, get to those throughout the day and the show. Our top three today... Top three fantasy questions going into week number three. And you might have your own fantasy questions as well. But these are the ones I'm asking. And that's a, you should say your. See, that's the problem. I'm, am I, uh, my producer is, is slacking off. So let's change that here. Get that. Oh. Definitely don't want to make a capital R. There we go. So, are your fantasy dolphins for real? That is uh, one of the questions that I'm asking in our top three questions. The dolphins looked spectacular in that comeback. Tua had six touchdowns. Tyreek and Waddle were spectacular, something nobody has done before as a pair of receivers. That's great. But you get the bills now. So basically, 
remember all those years where you're like, hey, the Dolphins are playing good. Dolphins fantasy of producing. And then you face the Patriots and they get crushed. Not in Miami. They usually would beat uh, New England, you know, every couple of years in Miami. So now you replace the Patriots with the Bills. So are your fantasy Dolphins for real? Are the the, the players that are producing for the Dolphins, this is the biggest test this weekend. And it's going to be a phenomenal game if they live up to the hype. Phenomenal game if they can live up to the hype. Number two, could the Falcons be the answer to your fantasy slow start? The Falcons have allowed an NFL high five touchdown receptions to wide receivers in the first two weeks. They have also allowed 58 points in two games. So if you have Seahawks playing the Falcons, good time to just take out your frustrations on Atlanta. Even Rashad Penny, week three, good option against the Falcons. And the number three question I have is in Joe, you trust? Joe Flacco. You know, we were talking about what would the record be for um, for for the Jets when Joe Flacco was no longer the quarterback, which was about the first four weeks of the season. Uh, what's uh, the name is escaping me right now? Uh, the Jets quarterback uh, that was hurt, but Joe Flacco. He's actually putting up some numbers as the quarterback of the Jets. 61.2% passer rating, 616 passing yards, six yards per pass, five touchdowns, only one interception. This is obviously a stopgap measure for you. You you should not be trusting 37-year-old Joe Flacco with the Jets to steer your fantasy. But right now, there's a little Vinny Testaverde to Joe Flacco. Big comeback win over the Browns. He got pounded, but he showed the veteran savvy to drag gangrene all the way back. 60, 60, that 66-yard pass to Corey Davis, that got it going. Then they get the onside kick. And caps a 53-yard drive uh, with Garrett Wilson's score. Listen, Zach Wilson is the future, obviously. But I don't think Zach Wilson is going to automatically get the starting job if Joe Flacco keeps doing this. So if you have quarterback, like if you didn't have, if you had Dak and he was your guy and Flacco's available, he's a good replacement. We told you this last week. Carson Wentz, same thing. Joe, Jimmy G, obviously, this week. But Joe Flacco, I did, uh, you know, I was kind of joking about Joe Flacco. Like, what is the record going to be for the Jets when uh, Nick, Zach Wilson, rather, is is ready to come back? Well, they're they're one and one, 
And you, Joe Flacco is, you know, beat, you know, had a decent game against his old team. So it's interesting. Like I said, I'm sorry if Joe Flacco is now your starter because that's not a good proposition to have. But for spot duties, uh, you could probably uh, do a little bit worse uh, out there as long as he's going to throw 300-yard games. Like, he's still, like, like outside of the top 20. But for a spot start, if you have a bad matchup or some injuries... Not the worst thing. I can't believe I'm saying it, but not the worst thing to look at that. All right. Big story of last night. Just a crazy night between the New York teams. Uh, Lindor hit a grand slam. The The Yankees were down. And Stanton, Giancarlo Stanton, hit a grand slam walk-off. And it was overshadowed but by, by what happened earlier in the inning with... The Judge. Three infielders on the left side for Judge, and here's the 3-1. Drill deep to left field. There it goes. Number 60. Slide over, babe. You've got some company. Aaron James Judge has tied George Herman Babe Ruth with 60 home runs. incredible stuff really is incredible what we are uh, able to watch here uh, with Aaron Judge uh, I, I absolutely loving it and yeah it's it's a wonderful wonderful story it's a great story uh, for New Yorkers because New York has been so bad uh, well so bad for what they their expectations. They had such a bad second half, and not, they're going to make the playoffs. But it's expectations. It's funny. You talk about Boone getting fired when New York is going to win the AL East again. But they have expectations. They they want to be where the Dodgers are, and we'll get to the Dodgers in a second. But this is incredible, uh, the territory that Aaron Judge is entering into right now. Uh, first of all, let's take a look at where he sits historically on the home run chase. So he has 60. 15 games remaining. He's going to break the record. And, you know, he's going to get 61 probably tonight uh, when they get back at it again with the Pirates. 9-8, by the way. 9-8 was the final score last night. It was a wild game. Uh, But tonight... You'll have the Yankees and the Pirates again. Luis Servino on the hill for New York. And uh, Ronzi Contreras on the hill for Pittsburgh. So there's a name to remember if the guy gives up number 61. By the way, the guy who caught the ball last night gave it back to Judge. This ball was reportedly worth between 50000 and 500000 according to some auction houses. He gave it back because he thinks Judge has given a lot to the Yankees. That's a really good story. I'm not sure if it's the smartest financial story, but it's a really good story. And sometimes we get so caught up in money, and the comments were dumb and, and ignorant on Twitter about it, as sometimes they can be. But this is where Judge is. So he's one back of Maris. He's tied Babe Ruth now. Two of the biggest names in American League history. 
The rest of those names are all National League PEDs. And again, there was no rule. I, I, I look at these guys and think, well, if there was no rule, maybe we should stop complaining about it. But we do talk about it. So the question now is not just, you know, when he ties Maris and then passes Maris, which could happen tonight, but where does he end up on this list, which would truly be a historic season? And we'll get into the numbers in a second here about where that takes him on the MVP chase and all that stuff. But I think he can get to McGuire in 65 and 99. He can have five home runs in 15 games. That would be legendary. That would put him tied in top five uh, in a non-PD era. Now, check out this uh, couple of stats here, these couple of tweets for just how masterful this guy is. Elias Sports says he is the first player since Miguel Cabrera, who won the Triple Crown 10 years ago, to lead all Triple Crown cats this uh, late in September. Batting average, home run, RBI. It's funny, we still think the Triple Crown... Uh, and we use batting average. And it's amazing that he hit his 60th home run to take the lead in batting average. Uh, So that's ironic with the way baseball is going. And this is also uh, from ESPN Stats and Info. Judge has put himself in a position to win the Triple Crown thanks to this massive September, where he's hitting 475, slugging 573, OPS 1.017. Sorry, that's his on base. His OPS is 1.590. The highest OPS ever in September, minimum 75 played appearances. This is incredible. It is, and, and, and listen, Shohei Otani is doing something great. He's doing something that Corbin Burns did last year. Judge is doing something that somebody hasn't done in 10, 15, 20, 60 years. So I, I'm being won over by the judge. I think what Otani is doing at the, on the hill is great. He's not as dynamic at the plate as Judge is. So for that matter... I'm throwing my support behind the Aaron Judge for MVP campaign. That's what I'm going with. I'm going with Judge for MVP because he's going to probably get 65 home runs. All right. That's the baseball story. Some NFL week three stories. Joe Burrow. He's off social media. We'll get to some projections as we go. Is Jimmy G the hottest waiver claim in your league, and the Browns without Jadavian Clowney for tomorrow versus Pittsburgh. Well, does that mean you should do anything with these quarterbacks from Pittsburgh? Yeah, you should bench them. That's what you should do with your quarterbacks from Pittsburgh. Although, we'll ask Andy. That's next. Andy, Actum- Andy McNamara. I almost combined Andy McNamara with Ask Andy. So we're going to do Ask Andy. If you have a question, throw that hashtag out on social media. We will find you. Like the Mounties, we'll find you. And we will get your question to Andy. We'll talk about some week three scenarios. We'll look back a little bit on week two. All that fun stuff will get you ready for Ultimate Fantasy Football on Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern right here on Twitch. And we'll recap the week that was in the UFAFL and UCFFL. That is coming right up here on Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily on twitch.tv slash ultimate fantasy sports. We're back in a couple of seconds.
2022 on this Wednesday afternoon edition of Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. My name is Dean Millard. Thank you so much for being a part of the show today. Uh, joining me in the marsh just outside of Edmonton. Uh, but right now we are going to head uh, east uh, and we are going to head into the fantasy football zone uh, because uh, my good friend and your fantasy football friend, Andy McNamara is joining us for another installment of Ask Andy, my man. Uh, first of all, congratulations. I saw your Twitter post. Uh, you got some, some pictures in and it looked like a really nice graduation or some uh, ceremony. Yeah, thanks, brother. Yeah, great. I love the, I love the brick uh, backdrop too. Oh, yeah, that's it's looking, nice, eh? That's looking sharp. That is very, that is very sharp. Yeah, this was actually uh, uh, back in the summer, the pitchers came in. I uh, was awarded the uh, Alumni of Distinction Award from Durham College, where my broadcasting career started back in 2005. Uh, doing what was new at the time, Dean, uh, internet radio, Ooh. which was like, whoa, <laughs> internet radio, what's a, what's this fad? No, absolutely. <laughs> so we started that, so I got the nice award from the college back in the uh, the summertime, so it just came in. So as I tell the, uh, if, you know, if people start in the broadcast business or whatever, Dean, if you don't promote yourself, no one else will. So That's right. there you go. <laughs> Even when you have a promotions department, sometimes as as we've all worked yes. at some of those small stations, yes. you are definitely uh, on your own. And you know, it's funny about broadcasting now. Like you know, we're we're doing this, and I was thinking about my twenty five years in broadcasting, from you know, straight TV to radio to live events to streaming. You really cover it all, and now. You know, you it, it's awesome when you can work for a station, but you can start your own. And if you're good enough, people are going to watch you. And that's basically what it that's is. It. If you know what you're talking about and you can get out there, people are going to watch you and you can give them the information. That's it, man. That's it. So, yeah, it was very, very nice. And it was a nice uh, ceremony. So I thought, you know what, uh, you know, pop that up there. So, no, very, very good. But, Dean, I'm telling you, man, uh, the hashtag ask Andy on social media at Andy MC81 on Twitter, Instagram, Andy MC sport has been off the charts. There's been quarterback questions. There's been running back questions. It's been all over the place. There is so many questions to get to. And we're only in week three of the NFL season. I love it. First of all, before we get to those questions though, we have to uh, acknowledge some great performances. Uh, the top performers from week three in the Ultimate College Fantasy Football League. And C.J. Stroud, a guy Jamie and I were talking about yesterday on this show. It's the thing that he said, this guy is quarterback one coming into the 2023 draft. And yeah. here you have his big performance on the weekend. Yeah, I think so. And you know what's so funny? It wasn't that long ago, C.J. Stroud with the, the Buckeyes. Because the Ohio State's obviously one of the best football programs out there, most popular, most well-known. And they've had a string of great players. But usually that's been on the wide receiver side and certainly on the cornerback side, on the defensive side. Um, but the quarterback side, when it comes to translating to the NFL, not as great in recent years, right? So you've had, when C.J. Stroud took over, I believe it was his first game, Dean, he had a dud. And people were like, yeah, no, he's done. I was just like, look, the guy was like, just turned 19 years old or 18 years old, whatever it was. Give him a chance, and lo and behold, he has turned out to be a stud. And the key thing, that transition, as we know, to go from college to being a viable NFL quarterback is not just running the ball, is not just throwing up big stats. It's do you have the arm talent? Do you have the accuracy? Do you have the IQ? And C.J. Stroud has been one of the most successful, I think, in recent memory of quarterbacks who has progressed steadily throughout his collegiate career. And I'd be really surprised if he's not the first overall pick in next year's NFL draft. 
All right, on the defensive side of things, uh, what got it done uh, for? I'm just trying to see the, uh, the 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 logos on the colleges are so incredible, uh, and and I so think good. it's cool. It's it's like uh, what we did with the Ultimate Fantasy World Juniors, where you got to name your own country. Uh, so so let's talk about the uh, defensive line linebacker Will Anderson Jr. and his performance. Oh man, well Will Anderson Jr. was actually the first round pick in the Ultimate College Fantasy wow. Football League draft by the co-owned team of our good friend, former Pro Bowl NFL defensive back Walt Harris and Jake Wimberly, who's an ESPN radio host down from Mississippi State uh, in the U.S. So they co-owned that team. That was their first pick. And Dean, sometimes first overall pick or first round picks don't pan out. In this case, Will Anderson. <laughs> While people went quarterback, they went Will Anderson. Look at those fantasy points. What an absolute stud. Uh, he was he was just sensational. He's been great all year long. Of course, Kahuna Kings, uh, Kahuna University Kings, there has uh, is, is been doing a great job. Also, just the logos are so cool. And these, and what's so great about the college side, Dean, is we're on the NFL side. You know, you certainly have your surprises. Like we'll, we'll get to Tua <laughs> from week two. <laughs> certainly a bit of a surprise for a top performer. But in college, when it comes to just D one, you have over 130 schools. So you can have a new star every single week. So I've really enjoyed watching over this first part of the season. Just who are some of these names that pop up? Some of them are guys who might not be as well-known and others are very well-known like Stroud and Anderson. Yes, almost 60-point outing is pretty good. A plus 60-point outing uh, in fantasy is even better, and that's what Tua did. I mean, six touchdowns. I was the benefactor uh, for with Tyreek Hill in one of my leagues, so I was really happy about Me it. Too. And, you know, the Silverbacks, loving that. And on the other side, Hydra, loving what they're getting out of uh, Aiden Hutchinson on the defensive end side. Oh, yeah. Well, let's start with Tua and... You know, is, is Tua, people say, oh, Tyreek Hill was right. He's better than Patrick Mahomes. Let's let's settle down, okay? <laughs> let's take a step. Great game. <laughs> Great game for Tua. Great for the Silverbacks to, to really push them along and have a, a great out. Like, it was an epic performance by Tua. Everything went right. It helped the Silverbacks get to 2-0. And unsurprisingly, Aiden Hutchinson, rookie for the Hydra and in the NFL, helped push them to a 2-0 record in the ultimate uh, fantasy American football league. So it both of these studs balled out and helped their respective clubs. But yeah, Tua was just uh, all over the place. Um, again, I would caution if you're in, you know, redraft or DFS leagues to hold Tua to that standard because next up is the Buffalo Bills. And I don't know if any of you have uh, been watching them, but they're pretty damn good. So uh, maybe, maybe hold off a little. But Hutchison, I hope with him that this is a, uh, his uh, uh, breakout game to continue because he was one of the more exciting players to to watch coming out of the draft and the defensive side of the ball. Oh, no kidding. Uh, and, and the, you know, the, the matchups that I look at this week and, and, you know, it's funny, I was taught, we had Mooch on last Friday and I'm like, yeah, not a great weekend uh, for Tom Brady. He's like, well, you know what this league is. You don't have a choice. You just got to you take your lumps. I told you Tom Brady was going to disappoint at some point. Uh, and I he said did. Jimmy G was going to come in and be a factor. I didn't think it was going to happen so early. Uh, but in this league, when your quarterback has a bad, bad matchup, because there's 32 teams, there's not as many options like every other league where you could just go find you know, somebody like a yep. Jimmy G on the waiver wire or Carson Wentz or something like that. 
No, you're right. And, and you're, to your credit, Dean, yeah, you called it. Jimmy G's going to do something. It was, it was really quick, really fast <laughs> that, Jimmy, that Jimmy G came in. And Tom Brady, slow start to the year. Now he's going to be without Mike Evans again this week. Um, Brashad Perryman actually is one of my um, pickups if you need waiver wire, you know, yeah. uh, redraft uh, normal leagues. Um, you need waiver wire help and you're a bit desperate for a flex. I think Brashad Perryman could really pop this week. But you look at the matchups this week. Uh, as we're entering week three, still some undefeated teams, of course, and we have two of them in the Manning uh, uh, Conference West. In the West Manning Conference, we have Hydra versus Hammerheads, both 2-0. and oh. So that'll wow. be a nice interdivisional matchup right there and um, really be able to see how these teams start to, to separate themselves as we enter or get closer to that quarter point of the season. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's – fantasy uh, football, to me, it's so funny. You look at it and you're like, hey, I'm winning the first part of the season. That's great. Can you win when bye weeks start happening and you really have to make decisions? I mean, fan- it's like the CFL. We always say it doesn't, ha- it doesn't really start until after Labor Day. Fantasy football, to me, doesn't start until the bye weeks and the real tough decisions then come into play. Definitely, D. Definitely, 100%. 100%. When that happens, as well as the injuries, and the injuries have been enough so far already. Uh, but, yeah, when the bye weeks come, okay. Uh, do you have a backup for that quarterback? Are you, taking, are you just taking the the uh, hit there when it comes to the UFAFL? Because you said it, where just like real NFL teams, your starting quarterback goes out, you know, you're not getting another starting quarterback, likely. You're Dallas, you get Cooper Rush, which looked okay, actually. You know, I'm not sure actually who in the UFAFL has Cooper Rush, but actually he's looked pretty good. Um, and then you, you go to San Francisco, who really put themselves in a great situation to bring back Jimmy Garoppolo, despite their best efforts to trade him. They didn't want him. Jimmy G's in. And now Garoppolo has a perfect opportunity to come in, play well, stay healthy. That's his top priority and try to get a big fat contract somewhere else next year. A hundred percent. That's exactly what uh, I, I think. Exactly what uh, the 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 goal is for him. And uh, I don't know. There, there's been a lot of uh, questions to coaches. I mean, from play calls to you know, we look at the week one with uh, Russell Wilson and all that stuff. I don't know if I remember another season where there's been as many coaches uh, being questioned. But questions is why we are here, Andy. People have questions for you. Ask Andy is the hashtag that we are asking people to use on social media. So do you have a few questions that people are throwing at you? I'll, I'll look on social media as well. But yeah. if you have a few lined up, why don't you go with your first one? Oh, yeah, man. We've been – and I love the questions in on Twitter at AndyMC81, hashtag AskAndy. Uh, also, a few trade questions. So, you know, I'll put this out to the group, too. I got this one from at BSportsGames1. says, do I make this trade? I receive Waddle, Zeke, and Freermuth. He gets Aaron Jones, Jacoby Myers, and Albert O, the tight end. I have McCaffrey as my other back, but don't have a top-tier receiver, so that is why I'm trying to get one. Um, I love that deal uh, from for, at BSportsGames1. Namely because, okay, you lose the best back in it with Aaron Jones. But Jacoby Myers, nice start to the year for Jacoby Myers. I'm not trusting that Patriots offense, not by a long shot. It still seems like a mess, and they're kind of hodgepodging it together. So get rid of Jacoby Myers. Albert O, all right, nice tight end. I'm not against it when it comes to 
uh, because the tight end group is so thin, but you get Freermuth back, and he's been proving to stay busy, stay involved with that offense, even with Mitchell Trubisky. And you get Waddle, who, well, we saw like everybody else in Miami, balled out, and it looks like there should be enough ball for Waddle and Hill. Really, I think we'll get a bit of a dose of reality, so I wouldn't get too, you know, overly bullish on Miami's offense, especially against the Buffalo Bills, but I think that deal makes a lot of sense. Well, it's interesting. You bring that up. Here's the, the, the fantasy questions I had going into week three for everybody. And the, the, are your fantasy Dolphins for real was the number one because, you know, as the Dolphins would get tested against New England every year, now it's the Bills. And, and this is where you can find out is to, and not, not one game, you're not going to be like, okay, they suck yeah, if yeah. they don't do it. But if he passes the test, you can really start believing a lot more, I think. And, and you know, that's that's one of the things that we are going to get answered with or get to get at the answer to this this weekend or some of the answers maybe not all of the answers but we might get a really good look into the future of the Miami Dolphins or we might be like hey it's the same old story uh, Lucy pulling the football away from Charlie Brown for Dolphins fans and they're not a division contender We're, you know this game is not going to decide it but it's going to go a long way to us realizing can you really invest in Miami Dolphins in fantasy uh, for, for sure. And it's a tough test. Even if they don't have a great week against the Buffalo Bills, doesn't mean the sky is totally falling. But uh, from a fantasy side, I hope that there is enough ball for Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle because they're both great players. You're paying Hill a ton of cash and Waddle is to his guy. So might be, I think maybe the odd man out is Mike Kosicki, the tight end. And that running back situation is a bit of a schmoz uh, back there. Got another question in from at Joey Wheeler 85. Hashtag Ask Andy says, I got to start. Hey, it goes back to our Tom Brady comment here. I have to start either Tom Brady or Kirk Cousins. What a world we live in, Dean, where we have to ask this question. Tom Brady or Cousins? Which one is best to move forward with for this week? Uh, hashtag Ask Andy. And look, here's what we have to realize. If Kirk Cousins is playing in any sort of individual primetime game, he just can't do it. He can't do it. He's too intent. He buckles under whatever. Fluke or whatever the case is, it doesn't work out well. The good news is, He's playing the Detroit Lions at 1 o'clock on a Sunday. A nice, mashed in the middle, lost in the crowd game. It's perfect. That's why I'm saying if we're looking Tom Brady versus the Packers, even though it's at home, with all the weapons injured in and out of the lineup and Brady not popping really yet this year, I'm going to say Kirk Cousins, Dean, because, yeah, he got blown up real good by Darius Slay and the Eagles. But that was prime time. Week one, he got you 19 fantasy points. You're playing the Lions, who are a tougher out than I think people have realized and can maybe sling the ball a little bit to guys like Amandra St. Brown and force you into a bit of a shootout, which is great for all fantasy players. So I'm saying Kirk Cousins over Tom Brady. Words, Dean, I never thought would come out of my mouth. Well, and the other thing is Tom Brady doesn't have his number one weapon in Mike Evans because nope. he was stupidly he I don't I don't know what Mike Evans was thinking. Like after the game he's like, I don't think I'll get suspended. I did way worse in twenty seventeen. Yeah, but you got suspended then. So you're a repeat offender. This was an easy decision for the NFL and just another tough break for, for Bucks fantasy players. By the way, Cooper Rush is a member of Big Boy Hydra, says everybody's favorite butthead Ooh. Phil Beavis. So uh thank you, Phil, for chiming in and for of course, watching and uh, I, you know what? I love Beavis's passion in the baseball league. He is like he he is taking Shohei Otani. It's his ride or die for MVP. So I love the passion uh, love with Phil in in that one. Love so. Phil. 
He is a member of Hydra, who, who we just talked about, and, you know, who knows what happens. Okay, what else do we got for some Ask Andy? Uh, I know I have some on Twitter, but I'll let you throw one in there if you got one. Okay, for sure. Yeah, and Hydra, like I said earlier, undefeated, undefeated battle, interdivision against Hammerhead, so that's going to be a lot of fun. We'll see what Cooper Rush can do. We'll see if Cooper Rush can do. I think that'll be, uh, you know, maybe he's going to be able to be more serviceable uh, than we thought. Let me see. We got another... Uh, well, I got one here. Oh, this here this go. is another trade one, but it, this is weird. Okay. It's in a family league, and I I I, I oh. advise everybody do not mix family and fantasy. Uh, it's probably <sighs> not going to go well. But this guy says I get Edmonds from Miami. My nephew gets Everett for the Rams, and then he countered with Edmonds from Miami and Williams from the Chargers, and Everett. Uh, the nephew gets Everett from the Rams and, and Harris from New England. So my only advice, mm -hmm. uh, fantasy and family, it could lead to some really hurt feelings. That's right. Over Thanksgiving or Christmas, holidays, whatever yes. it might be. Yeah. I like that deal with the, um, the one where he gets Williams in it. Uh, yeah. The, yeah. You Mike better, Williams and play. Edmonds. Yeah. And Edmonds. And again, am I in love with Chase Edmonds? No. But I'm not going to trust the New England offense. I'm just not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I think it's way too volatile, way too uncertain. So I think you get that deal. Mike Williams, again, uh, Keenan Allen, still not 100%. And while he is a roller coaster, uh, you are going to get those spike games. So I'd rather go with that. I got one in here from uh, at Ben Naxon. It says, hashtag Ask Andy. I went wide receiver. I went heavy wide receiver in my drafts. Now I need a running back. I got offered James Robinson for Terry McLaurin in PPR, think I should take it. I have Cup, Evans, and Michael Thomas. My running backs are Zeke and Pollard, Hunt, Akerson, and Akers and Henderson. Uh, Dean, when I'm looking at that, I say yes, you take it because of the wide receiver depth that you have and the thin the running back class can be when it comes to producers. Now, do we expect Travis Etienne to continue to work his way back from injury and into the Jacksonville line? I would think so. But James Robinson is out touching him. He's getting goal line stuff right now. So I think that you chance that right now. Take Robinson. You can give up Terry McLaurin, who really, when you look at uh, uh, with Washington, I love Car what Carson Wentz is doing. He's gotten deep. Carson Wentz, by the way, folks, has gotten you over 28 fantasy points two weeks in a row, two times. Yeah, I know. Two times. It's been uh, pretty know, impressive. Antonio Gibson... Yeah, you're spreading the ball around. So I make that deal. I take Robinson for McLaurin, slide him in. You need, with that running back group, you need an upgrade. Because right now, you have Zeke as a borderline RB1, probably higher RB2. Pollard's lurking in there. Love Kareem Hunt, but he's still an RB2. Akers and Henderson, that's just a, a, a I don't even know you, you, what you make of that right now with Henderson kind of as the lead guy, but Akers getting more work, but neither being too effective. So you need somebody who's going to get the football, even if it's in the short term, while you sort that other situation out. So I think you make the deal for Robinson. How about this ask, Andy? My wide receivers are Valdez, Scantling, uh, Anderson, Pittman Jr., Lockett, and Gallup. I have to drop one to bring Gallup back from IR. Valdez Scantling seems to be the logical choice after the last two weeks, but dropping a Chiefs wide receiver seems illogical. Your take. Uh, sometimes it is hard to say, should I drop a guy from Andy Reid's offense? But in, in this case, when you look at those numbers, it does seem like the, the odd man out. Yeah, you got to do it. You, you, you got to do it. Because for Valdez Scantling, 
he's again I use the word volatile it's it's too up and down. You can't look at somebody's overall fantasy production. You have to look game by game. Like Will Fuller's a perfect example from a couple of years ago. His overall numbers, he was a, you know, WR2, but he, he got all those points in like three weeks, three different weeks, and then he did nothing. So for scan, for MVS, you're looking at an offense where he might be the guy. Um, he might not be the guy. Uh, he, 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 could be, he could do something. He probably won't way too inconsistent so out of that group i say you drop it even though you know geno smith came back down to earth a little bit didn't he all these geno truthers running out to get geno smith yeah uh he, he got brought right back down um i was i was thinking maybe it would be lockett but i think lockett at least has a more consistent target share than mvs would at this point all right, uh, Phil uh, Beavis throws in the question in the Twitch chat, which 0-2 team makes the playoffs um, in the NFL? I, I, I would say Raiders because I'm a Raiders fan, but Kyler Murray, like, listen, if there were bonus points for how pretty touchdowns were, the Raiders would have lost by a lot more than they did in overtime because Kyler Murray uh, was, was really pretty running the ball. But maybe the Bengals, uh, maybe the Bengals turn it around. Uh, Joe Burrows is off social media now, so maybe he gets it together. But is there an 0-2 team that you think could make the playoffs right now? It's close between the Bengals and the Raiders. Uh, the AFC West might sort of cannibalize itself a little bit. Um, I just think the Bengals, Dean, I know the Super Bowl curse, and you can't necessarily put a, a definitive why on it, especially for the team that lost the Super Bowl. But this Bengals team upgraded. It's not like they're an old veteran team. They're young. They're here. They have the pieces. They're relatively healthy, the O-line. I, I think that that AFC North division can still be had. And you're going to have to win that division. I don't think you get a wild card out of the AFC North this year. I think you get one, maybe two, out of the AFC West. So the Bengals, if they're going to – it's getting late early, as the old uh, cliche goes. So I think you've got to get moving on it. But I would say, if I'm going to pick an 0-2 team, Cincinnati gives me the most uh, hope to do that because, again, all the pieces are there. On paper, there's no reason why the Cincinnati Bengals should not win that division. There we go. Okay, so obviously we have Thursday Night Football and then the big day on Sunday, and you are here on Twitch Sunday mornings, 11 a.m. Eastern, yes. right here, twitch.tv slash ultimate fantasy sports so people can get those questions in those last minute lineup decisions and tell, tell me about the danger zone picks. What's the danger zone picks? Ooh, I love the danger zone picks, Dean. So danger zone is pretty much like your super bold prediction. We get dangerous on Sundays before the game. You know, you're getting a little hungry. Lunchtime's approaching. You're getting hungry. You're getting ready for football. So you get dangerous at the end. So danger zone picks. So you pick something it's not like, oh, Patrick Mahomes will throw for 300 yards and get a right. touchdown. That's not dangerous at all. My danger zone pick is something like Scotty Miller is going to ball out for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, get a touchdown, and hit double-digit fantasy points. Probably not going to happen, but it might, and you give your reasoning why. So we love getting those on social media and in the Twitch chat as well. Uh, just do it, the hashtag danger zone. And yeah, man, 11 to 12, it's the prime time slot for your fantasy football owners and teams, because that's right in that hour. It's when those final injuries come out and that's when you need to make those last second decisions. So uh, yeah, 11 to 12 on Sunday, right here on Twitch. I love it. Uh, it helps me fill up my lineup and uh, ball out. 
to a fantasy victory. Thanks so much, man. I can't wait to see you on Sunday morning and enjoy the rest of the weekend. Uh, I don't know what do you, what do you think about Thursday night? Are you you know are you are you uh, are you confident without Jadavian Clowney? Still better. Still better from that Jets loss team. Still, still better. Still pretty. Still pretty. What did you think off. about Nick Chubb? Like this is interesting. Nick Chubb said. I cost the team the win by running in the touchdown. So he helped fantasy owners and hurt his real team. Usually it's the other way around, right? When the guy stops at the goal line yeah, and he yeah, hurts yeah. his fantasy team. That The opposite happened. Three touchdowns for Nick Chubb. We don't deserve Nick Chubb. <laughs> we don't deserve Nick Chubb, the man and the person and the humbleness. He is a throwback to a, a forgotten era. Humble, workhorse. Listen. You score three touchdowns. You're up by two touchdowns with two minutes left to play. You win that ball game. It happened, whatever the stat was, in 2,200-something games before that, the teams always won. That is a colossal collapse that only my Cleveland Browns can make. I don't blame Nick Chubb for a second. He wasn't told to do it by the coach. He went and he got a touchdown. You're taught to score. You scored, the defense collapsed, and it was bad play calling. And it was just a disaster. I don't blame Nick Chubb one bit. And I hope he goes off on the Steelers. Jadavian Clowney is not playing. Apparently, latest reports I saw about a half hour ago, Miles Garrett is expected to play. He had a okay. neck issue, uh, as well as right tackle. Uh, Jack Conklin is expected to play, making his first start of the year for the Browns uh, on that offensive line, which is really good already. Beautiful stuff, my man. Thank you so much. Enjoy the game tomorrow night, and we'll talk soon. All right, buddy. Talk to you later. You bet. There's Andy McNamara, who is on the air right here on twitch.tv slash ultimate fantasy sports, 11 a.m. Eastern Sunday morning. You need your final fantasy fix? Ask Andy on Sundays. Get those danger zone picks in as well. So what do you think, Beavis? What Owen team do you Owen 2 team do you think makes the playoffs? Maybe we'll throw that in to fill in the blanks in some form when we come back. Still to come, Tom Gazzola from the TSN 1260 post and pregame show. Training camps are underway. News out of Edmonton, possibly. Slater Cuckoo not in camp. We'll tell you why when we talk with Tom. We'll also preview the Montreal Canadiens today in our Dauber Hockey Team Previews. Interesting team, the Canadians. Lots of interesting changes. Not sure there's going to be a massive amount of fantasy value there, but we'll see. A guy like Brendan Gallagher always fills out categories. Is he going to be able to do that as much now? There's a new captain in town as well. All right, all of that still to come on the program. Fill in the blanks and much more. We're back right after this.
right, it is nine minutes before 5 p.m. on the east, eastern part of our country. And uh, in Alberta, where I'm located, it is just before 3 o'clock when Tom Gazzola will join us here on the show. Uh, I, I think so, unless anything uh, has changed at uh, uh, where Tom is, which is likely Rogers Place, where the Oilers are getting set to uh, kick camp off. Uh, so Tom Gazzola is going to join us at the top of the hour. We will have a preview of the Montreal Canadiens still to come on our Dauber Hockey NHL preview. Uh, by the way, tomorrow is a big, big day uh, for hockey fans. Michael Amato from Dauber Hockey will make his ultimate fantasy sports daily debut. He'll join us every Thursday at 520 to get you ready for the weekend. In this case, ready for the season. We'll take a look at some forwards tomorrow. We'll also uh, preview the Western Hockey League with Guy Flaming from the Pipeline Show and the color analyst for the Edmonton Oil Kings. And Marty Murray, uh, a, a man I consider a good friend, a guy I loved watching uh, as a kid play hockey, and is now the new GM of the Brandon Wheat Kings. So big hockey focus show tomorrow, of course. We'll get you set up for uh, the Thursday nighter, Bengals, or the Browns and the Steelers. And we'll continue to follow Aaron Judge and Albert Pujols chasing history. So all of that's to come tomorrow. But right now, let's fill in the blank. And um, this is kind of Beavis uh, asked this question in our chat. How many 0-2 NFL teams will make the playoffs? So I'm asking how many 1-1 teams will make the playoffs. So I'll just go through them. Patriots, no. Jets, no. Steelers, um, I'll say no. Baltimore, yes. Cleveland, no. Jacksonville, uh, ooh, geez, that's a bad division. Uh, yes. Chargers, yes. Broncos, yes. Uh, Commanders, no. Cowboys, no. Vikings, yes. Packers, mm, yes. Lions, no. Bears, no. Saints, no. 49ers, yes. Rams, yes. Seahawks, no. Cardinals, no. There you go. There's my one-and-one teams that will make the playoffs. I don't know how many that was. Um, but chime in on, uh, the Twitch message board, if you will, or, uh, hit me up on Twitter at duck Millard or at UFSN, if you would like on Twitter. Uh, also this other fill in the blank for fantasy that we just leave as usual. If you don't blank, then are you really into fantasy or are you just having fun? If you don't have your own logo, like a, a really nice logo, then are you really into fantasy or are you just having fun? Now, normally there'd be my logo over the top of my shoulder, but we're remodeling the march still, so we're not putting the jerseys up yet. But I think I have, we have three logos for my, the three fantasy teams that I have in Ultimate Fantasy, Franchise Fantasy Sports. So if you don't blank, then are you really into fantasy or are you just having fun? And uh, how many are blank one and one teams make the playoffs in the NFL? Those are the two questions uh, that we are going with uh, when it comes to the National Football League. So we left off uh, talking about Aaron Judge. Let's uh, continue with some football talk right now. And Joe Burrow is not on social media anymore. Uh, Joe Burrow has said, you know what? 
I'm done uh, with social media. And this is like just, you know, probably the smartest thing Joe Burrow has ever done. There's not a chance if I was a professional athlete that I would be on social media. Are you kidding? No way. Why? The majority of people on social media, unfortunately, are jerks. And they're just looking to start a fight or be a jerk. That's what jerks do. So I'm surprised Joe Burrow was on social media. And if I was ever to be on, it would be so private that, you know, I want people supporting me. Don't go on social media if, if you're that's what you're looking for. So this is probably the smartest decision he could have ever done and maybe a reason why they'll be able to turn the season around. So I, I don't know. If you're tagging an athlete because they screwed up your fantasy football team, that's dumb. That's, that's being a jerk. You can tag a guy and be supportive, but I don't know. The, the, the world of social media is such is one where people are not scared anymore. Uh, they think they can do whatever it is that they want without consequences. Freedom of speech is true, but not freedom of consequences, unfortunately. So uh, when it comes to quarterbacks this weekend, the the list, I think I have uh, this graphic here. Yeah, for some reason, it didn't get loaded in. Uh, but when it comes to uh, the, the quarterbacks throwing the, the best balls as far as 10-plus uh, yards, it's pretty impressive. Question is, will this top four remain for the whole season? Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, and Josh Allen. Now, Jalen Hurts might be the most surprising guy out of that list, but, you know, you haven't watched Eagles, obviously. I, I have him in fantasy, so I do. And he's, he's a, still a third-year guy. But when you look at the top quarterbacks, you know, the, the quarterback ranking index uh, put together by Mark Sessler at NFL.com, Josh Allen is number one. Patrick Mahomes is number two. Justin Herbert is number three. Lamar Jackson is number four. Tom Brady is number five. You got to go down to number nine before you get to Jalen Hurts. Now, he is not going to go get into the top five uh, in a week, but he moved up three spots this week, did Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen Hurts is probably the most under-talked-about quarterback in fantasy. Now, that might change uh, this week because he has been... Him and him and Kyler Murray were just so electric on the weekend that it's going to be impossible for people to ignore them anymore. So, if you know, in, in one end, you could go after Jalen Hurts right now. Maybe the, the team that has him in your league doesn't realize what they have. Maybe they're still not buying in. Or you can try to sell high if you have guys after you. But, you know, like you're paying for the, through the roof for those other three guys in fantasy. Jalen Hurts, you might not have to. So it's worth looking around, in my opinion, in your league to see 
if this is a guy who is available. And man, if Jalen Hurts turns into a top four quarterback, gets into the top five, be laughing wherever you drafted him this year. We talked about Javian Clowney with Andy. Uh, he is out for tomorrow versus Pittsburgh. It has to be Kenny Pickett time soon for Pittsburgh. Maybe even this week. And George Pickett is reminding everybody, including the Steelers quarterbacks, that he was open 90% of the time last week. Of course a receiver's going to tell you that. They're always open. The quarterback's... Just never see them. And that weird situation, Nick Chubb scoring a touchdown says he costs his team a game, but would help fantasy owners. Usually it's the other way around. All right, when we come back, we're going to jump into uh, some hockey talk with our good friend Tom Gazzola of uh, TSN 1260, does the uh, post-game show and also correspondent for NHL.com. That is still to come in just a second. We'll get it all lined up and be back with you right away. Just after 5 p.m. Eastern, uh, this is Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily on the Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. Uh, we are going to talk uh, some hockey now. Uh, we've spent a lot of time talking uh, football, of course, uh, as you would expect, uh, with uh, so much uh, going on in uh, the world of the NFL that rules it all. Uh, and remember, Andy McNamara, Sunday mornings, 11 a.m. Eastern, Ask Andy to get all of uh, your fantasy 
needs met. But we're going to talk hockey right now um, as the construction in my building uh, continues. The construction on all these rosters in the NHL continues. So I apologize if there's some drilling in the background. Uh, they're doing some work on our building. But Tom Gazzola of uh, TSN 1260, the pre- and post-game show, and, uh, of course, uh, NHL correspondent joining me on the show today. And, uh, Tom... This is the time of year when, you know, everybody is optimistic and, you know, uh, all these guys have an opportunity to play all these roles when, you know, in a few weeks, the dust will be settled a little bit later. But everybody's excited right now. Every fan base, every rookie, every veteran trying to squeeze in one more year. Yeah, Dino, the uh, equipment doesn't stink yet. (laughs) Nobody's lost a game yet. Everybody's happy. They still have a tan. Uh, this is a, a good time, but it doesn't last long in the National Hockey League, as we know. But yeah, optimism reigns supreme, and uh, rightly so. But man, this is going to be an interesting year, as is every season in the National Hockey League. But uh, here at Edmonton, obviously, people are super excited. Out east, I know uh, people are wondering what the Toronto Maple Leafs did. Uh, You've got the New York Rangers that are an upstart team. And then uh, we'll see what the Colorado Avalanche have in store in the Central Division. It's, it's going to be another fun year of hockey as uh, this game only gets faster and younger and, and more skilled. And uh, bring it on. Buckle up, baby. I can't wait. We're at the rink today, Dino. And, uh, you know, things seem to fly a million miles an hour. Yeah. But today, as you know, was hurry up and wait day. Medicals yes. and physicals. A lot of twiddling of the thumbs going on. This day and garbage bag day are two of the longest days for reporters uh, because you're just standing around doing a lot of nothing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at some point, you're just like, oh, my back hurts. Why does my back hurt? <laughs> I've been standing for four hours, and I know that's an easy easy out, uh, the cheap joke, but it's true. I mean, <laughs> I'm sitting around. I'm like, oh, my back is getting kind of sore, and I'd have to go sit down, and it wasn't just me. It was the younger reporters, too, and all of them being like, boy, we've been sitting here for a long time not doing anything. And you're right, garbage bag days equally as tedious, but uh, we got through it safely, and uh, no backs uh, were worse for wear today, at least here at Edmonton. I know other markets may be a bit of a different story. <laughs> I don't know yet. Uh, we'll get the injury report media-wise tomorrow, but let's go. This is going to be fun. No doubt. So here's an example. I thought this was hilarious. This is this is how old we are and how young, and, and you're much younger than me, but how young the players of the game are. You talked about old and young. Here's a video, you might have already seen this, from New York Rangers camp with Alexis Lafreniere. I'll play it. There. Oh, thank you. No, you gotta wait till they develop. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like this guy has never seen a camera that you can't immediately look at the picture of, and he was looking on the back of that, you know, whatever disposable camera. That's that's our yeah. new segment. We are old. When you got a guy like Alexis Lafreniere <laughs> has never ever seen a camera like that. Like you know the ones you get at weddings. Yeah. Uh, the old disposable, right? The the cheap flash, and they would come in like a pack of four at Costco. Yeah. Uh, yeah, old school, man. I remember those days. I remember taking uh, disposable cameras on my trip to Mexico, my first ever trip to Mexico, and that was right when digital cameras were becoming a thing. Now digital cameras, unless you're a pro photographer, like nobody knows or uses yeah. a digital 
uh, camera anymore and, and everything's done on your phone. So I, I had this same kind of aha moment when we were talking about the Oilers Hall of Fame inductees, talk about Ryan Smith and people throwing out names from the past. And like you hear the younger people, younger generations being like, Alish Hemsky has to be one of the first guys to go into the Edmonton Oilers Hall of Fame. I'm like, Alish Hemsky. What do you guys, do you remember Doug Waite? Do you guys yeah. remember any of these great players from like the 2000s? Uh, Jason Smith and, and you say those names and they just kind of like blank stare and look at you and you're like, oh my goodness, what the heck is going on? We're getting older, Dino. We're getting older. That's what's going on. Yeah, and and you you know when a guy like Zdeno Chara is is calling it quits, and you look at like the, the from we go to the opposite now. This, this is a guy who uh, I think I have a graphic here of of Zdeno Chara. Yeah, so Zdeno Chara, like this is wild. He becomes one of the two men in the NHL to score a goal before twenty two, turning twenty two, and after forty five joining Gordie Howe and Yarmir Jagger. So only three guys. So as we look to the youth of the league, we're saying goodbye to three legends. Well, well, one legend in Chara for sure, and then P.K. Subban and yep. Keith Yandel. To me, he's the, the, the one Hall of Famer out of those three, but that's the opposite side of the spectrum of now the players we're covering are getting old. <laughs> Thanks for that. You're right. Uh, Zidane Chara and Joe Thornton, I guess, is the last guy left that's still active that played in the 90s in the National Hockey League because, uh, you know, we had Roberto Luongo retire, we had Chara, we had uh, Patrick Marlowe retire, and, yeah, we're turning over to the next generation where we're talking about guys that are born in the 2000s now uh, that are that are coming into the National Hockey League. But Chara was a beast for a long time. Obviously, he played in PG, Prince George, uh, in the mm. Western League. That was a tough-as-nails guy. I respect him because, you know, not only was he a champion, he was an excellent defenseman, a number one defenseman in the National Hockey League for a long time, but uh, he carried himself with, with some class and dignity and, and imparted a, a good example on the next wave of players. I remember seeing him and talking to him in uh, Helsinki, Finland, of all places, Dino, during the 2012 World hockey championships and i was like hey zidano you got time for oilers tv he's like what the hell are you guys doing here <laughs> i'm like long story well long story but a bunch of the oilers are in this division in helsinki but we just want to spread it out he's like yeah okay whatever sure and gave a great interview and that's that's something you can appreciate and that's something dean actually speaking of like the attitude and demeanor of players i'd like to see more of like uh willingness to chat being open in interviews and given giving you a little bit something to the fan, to the, the interviewer asking like that old school mentality. You'd see interviews from like the eighties and nineties where guys would just say what was on their mind and not do or not worry about the repercussions because what they were saying generally was true and, and they were given opinion on stuff. And I know they've been coached in, in recent years mm -hmm. to be uh, guys that don't give anything bullet bulletin board material, but there's ways to, to be, uh, exciting and uh, thoughtful and inquisitive and and all of that uh, in an interview and he pointed to PK Subban and he was a guy that would do that I know people would roll their eyes at him and you know teammates would but that kind of thing has, has become few and far between where you can actually appreciate guys who open up a little bit so one guy who does that nowadays that might be a good player to pick up in your fantasy pool Trevor Zegras there's one yeah 
Uh, no kidding. Like that guy oozes uh, just everything that the NHL should be after. Fun. Yeah. Kids love him, and the the next generation of kids will will absolutely love him. So uh, I agree. Then the, the NHL needs more marketing of those types of things and less of torts uh, saying it's bad for the game. Like, it's just like, can you imagine what Philadelphia is going to be like this year? No Couturier. Um, they, they just, uh, Ellis is, is not going to be ready Ellis, yet. Yep. Um, I just can't imagine how much of a gong show that is going to be. And it's Philadelphia. You've been there. It's not exactly the most forgiving city. <laughs> No, it isn't. Poor Katahat is going to have a tough go. And, and the, the kid from Sherwood Park, I mean, they're going to heap a lot of pressure on him. And, and I, I was thinking about this the other day. It just popped into my head. I'm like, I wonder how Carter Hart's going to do in Philly. And I don't think it's lining up well for him. And, and that's due to the fact that, like you said, no Couturier, one of the best two-way players in the game right now. Looks like he's on the shelf for a while. Ryan Ellis, nobody knows what his timeline is like. John Tortorella, someone throwing him another lifeline, thinking he could turn that team around. I'm not a huge John Tortorella fan. I know he, he is effective to a certain extent. and I know there are some players that really appreciate his style of coaching. And I, I just, you know, we would see him on ESPN last year. And I know he was trying to make waves, but he wasn't too different from his time on TSN and his time when he was in Vancouver, even when he got all crudgy and, angry in Columbus it's just like come on man like everyone else is evolving older coaches of his ilk have evolved as well like get with it and uh from an outsider's point of view yeah Philly's gonna have a tough year those fans know their hockey and uh I don't I don't know if John Tortorella is the right answer there and some of the stuff I've read and seen out of there so far already I'm just like oh good luck it's gonna be a rough year yeah, he's already saying they have problems in the room. It's it's really bizarre. Um, it's yeah. interesting. Jacob Chikrin said today that he did take the Coyotes up on trying to be traded so he could play for a contending team. Hopes that happens again. This is a really good defenseman, and I know there's uh, you know Oilers fans immediately say, "Hey, let's trade Pulyarvi and this and that." Um, it's just obviously not that easy. But Jacob Chikrin uh, is a trade chip that the Arizona Coyotes can use because he obviously wants to get traded and should use and add to their stable of picks. But wh where do you think the, the 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 Ottawa Senators keep coming up? But they they did sign someone the other day. I wonder where Jacob Chikrin ends up, and do you think the Oilers could pull off a trade like this? I'll start with the Oilers one. Uh, as much as you know, fans here would probably love it. I don't think it's realistic at all. And and Jesse Puljujarvi being a center, the centerpiece of a of a move going back the other way is is you know far fetched to to think that that could be the case because Puljujarvi's value as we're witnessing right now, isn't very high. He's not right. a guy that garners a ton of, of demand. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, roughly 28 other teams in the National Hockey League said thanks, but no thanks, Edmonton. Um, Chikrin is a, a, a great defenseman, or he's going to be a great defenseman. There's a lot of value there. And I know his contract is, is relatively reasonable considering the type of player he has become. But it, it almost feels you know that with the national hockey league and and the cap being frozen because of covid and, and now the league's starting to finally come out of that like guys that are in that little bit of a middle range in the national hockey league and and have those like 
three mil to five million contracts, like there isn't room for them, and they're hard to move all of a sudden because it's either you got your high 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 end guys that are making top buck, and then you've got your lower end guys that are making minimum to just above minimum, and then there's so few and far between in that mid range, and it seems like those guys have been squeezed out. A lot of them were RFA. Not, uh, guys that weren't qualified and, right. and are now on PTOs, you know, like it, it's like that that middle grouping of of National Hockey League players who are very good players are just getting squeezed out, and and this might be a result of of Chikrin and where he's at contract wise and how bad things are financially when it comes to the cap for at least a dozen teams that are over the cap to start right now, and I know we'll get cap compliant at some point, but like. Who, who could take on, what is he at, 4.5 mil, 5 mil, somewhere around there? Like, who actually has enough room to, to take him on? And then the other thing is, is would he be willing to go to the teams that are able to squeeze him in under the cap, that do have the space, uh, given where he's at in his career and all the, the bad hockey teams he's played on? I don't think he wants to go to a team on the bottom end of the league uh, unless there's some real upside and they're going to start winning games. So I, I, he might be stuck in a situation where he's waiting it out for a little bit. And, and Dino, this is a guy that has had his name out there for, what, a couple of years now, and there hasn't been any movement or progress. Yeah, it's not as simple as just making the numbers match, right? The other team has to want those guys, and you're right. Jesse Pugliarvi is nowhere near uh, being the centerpiece. You're going to have to add you know, a, a bunch more pieces. And I'm not saying Chikrin isn't worth it, but you're also going to have to convince Arizona to take on uh, so, some dollars going the other way. Then, here's a question from Andrea. says, Dean, I think you and Tom need to chat about Jesse Pugliarvi's video on Twitter of him singing while he was exercising in his home the next time Tom comes on. And so this is a, this is a guy that you know has always had oozes personality. I mean, he, he, he's, yes. he, he's a fun person to be around. He seems to get excited for, for me. That just seems like that's who he is. I don't know what he, what song, maybe that was the, the finished goal song that they was singing along to. I'm not sure, but you've seen him more than, than a lot of other people. Cause you were, you know, behind the curtain with the Oilers for a while. This is a guy who that just seems like what his personality is. It is. And, and it's nice to, to get those moments. I mean, how many times after a Pugliarvi goal do we see the clip of him walking behind eating pizza in Detroit? Like, I remember doing that interview, and I was there, and I'm like, is he seriously walking in the shot with a piece of pizza in his mouth? The answer was yes. It's a meme now, and it's hilarious. But there is that side of Jesse Pugliarvi. He is the bison king for a reason. He went and saw uh, Elk Island Park and, and, and what the bisons have to offer up close and personal and uh, so that element endears him and, and that's what I liked about him. It's refreshing and you see some personality and the big smile and you know, it looks like he's licking boogers when he's on the bench because <laughs> his tongue goes to the tip of his nose and he's got a helmet that looks like it's oversized. But there's also the other side of it. There's the player, the competitor, uh, the, the guy that has a, a passion to have success. And, and that's, you know, personally and as a, as a team as well. And that element isn't going so well right now and, and did not end well last season. And I did have a chance. I, I, you know, I've told the story here and there, but Dino, you're right. Like I, I worked for the team. I hosted Oilers TV, but you're on the inside. And so you get to know the players because you're around them on the plane and stuff like that. And I got to know Yessie and I, I like him. He's a good guy. He's, he's a good hockey player. 
it, it clearly isn't working right now. It, it's a time of frustration uh, on the ice for him. But I remember watching uh, the NBA Finals when the Raptors were in it, and uh, I literally wound up sitting beside Jesse watching, I think, game five or six because we had mutual friends, and uh, we were at their restaurant. And so at halftime, I just looked, and he, you know, we started chatting, and I said, how are you doing? How are your hips? He's like, I'm better. I'm skating. And he's like, how, he was asking me how things were going, transitioning from the Oilers to TSN. And I'm like, well, you know, it's good. It's refreshing. Uh, I feel welcome as opposed to, you know, how things were going before at, at, at the Oilers. And he's like, that's good. You know, we like you. And I'm like, I like you too. It's great. <laughs> so we had that conversation. And then I go, well, what are you going to do? Because I'm hearing like you're frustrated and stuff. And he, he said to me, and this is a couple of years ago, granted, he just said, Dino, he's like, I need a fresh start, new, new team. Uh, new city, just a fresh start. And I said, well, you have a new GM, you have a new coach coming in. Isn't that a fresh start? He's like, no, just something new. And, and obviously his English, you know, isn't as good as, or wasn't as good as it is today, but he was willing to say fresh start. I, I want to try something new and, and, and go with another team. And he wound up going to Finland and then, you know, Ken Holland came in and, and they bridged the gap and brought him back. But everything I've heard now sounds like he's kind of gotten back to that thinking that if there's an opportunity that presents himself uh, somewhere else, he'd be willing to take it, and the team you know, seems like it's willing to oblige. Now, could they make it work again? Yeah, absolutely, but um, Jesse does like the city. He appreciates the fans, and, and I'm not slighting the city, but he just, you, know, you get in that mindset where you need something new, you need to move on, and, and back then, at least, that's how he felt, and, and you, know, you get the, the indicators that, that maybe he's okay with that again a few years later. Yeah, I, I, I think that's ultimately what is going to happen and probably best uh, for everybody. Uh, all right, Tom, the, the, the race has begun with uh, physical day is over and now everybody tries to come up with the best stories that have never been told. Enjoy the season. It'll be great listening to you on the, uh, the pre- and post-game show on TSN 1260 and on NHL.com as well, and we'll see you at the rink. Dino, look forward to it. Thanks, buddy. You betcha. There is Tom Gazzola. Check him out on TSN 1260. Uh, I'm I'm guessing Tom is much better with dealing with the callers than I was. Um, At some point, you just were like, wow, I can't answer the same question about the power play 50 times. Uh, But anyway, it's a fun show. It is a fun show, and it's more fun when they're winning. Well... Actually, that's not true. That show is more fun when they're losing because people lose their minds. When they're winning, people don't call in or chime in as much. So it's a weird situation. But it's always better when the Oilers are in the playoffs. I think, obviously, they will again this year. And Tom will have a lot of fun to chat about on the pre- and post-game show. And, and yeah, uh, that's Jesse Pugliarvi's personality. I like the guy. I think he's going to be a good hockey player. Um, you know, whether it's in Edmonton this year or not, I, I highly doubt uh, it will be by the end of the season in Edmonton. All right, uh, still to come on the program, uh, we're going to check out our Dauber Hockey Montreal Canadiens preview. The Habs made some big moves in the offseason. Will they pay off for your fantasy team? This is Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily on Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network.
5.24 Eastern Time, 3.24 in uh, the Alberta time zone, mountain time zone. My name is Dean Millard. This is Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. Thank you so much uh, for being a part of the show today uh, and every day as you have joined us here on Twitch. Uh, I do apologize uh, for some of the... uh, Uh, internet problems we're having. I noticed the lip sync was off uh, a little bit on a couple of interviews today. So I do apologize for that. Uh, Obviously try to bring as uh, much quality programming and I, I can't stand it when the lip sync is off. So if you're annoyed, uh, just know I'm annoyed even more. So apologize for that. We will try to get that sorted out as we go. One thing that we didn't get to today, Robert Sarver is going to sell the Mercury and Suns, uh, the Phoenix Suns and Phoenix Mercury, NBA and WNBA franchises. He said today uh, he's looking for a buyer. So that's good. That is something good to come out of a bad situation where it was a hostile workplace and there was some obviously very questionable uh, tactics uh, being used. This is what I've said from the outset of this story, um, is that your fantasy players are going to be uh, have a better owner, they're going to be happier, and they're going to be better. That's what happened with the Clippers. That's my thought on that particular story. Uh, but right now, we are going to get to our Dauber Hockey uh, Team Preview. And today, it is the Montreal Canadiens. What do you think of the Canadians and their off-season moves? Pretty awesome. But will they be enough to contend this year? No. That's the easy and fast answer for you. We'll tell you why as we go along. Uh, But anyway, uh, you look at their their top three fantasy stars as we like to look at them. And wasn't that hard uh, when you're looking at this team? Nick Suzuki, Cole Caulfield, and Mike Hoffman. Three forwards because I'm not that great crazy about this blue line right now. The guy I think that's going to break out is uh, Kirby Doc who they picked up in the trade with Chicago. And the sleeper's Jonathan Drouin. And you might be like, how can you pick a guy who's a sleeper and he's on the top line? Because Jonathan Drouin has not produced what he should have, like has been expected. Now, I also think Jonathan Drouin is going to have some pretty good line mates to go this year. Like Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. I think Jonathan Duran should be getting more than 44 points on that line. And that's why if you're thinking Jonathan Duran is only getting 44 points, I think he's going to get like in the 60s with these guys. So that's why I put him as my sleeper. Kirby Doc, uh, this lineup has him on the third line. Probably not a bad place to start where you can shelter him a little bit. You give him a guy like Sean Monaghan who is really, really responsibly defensively to help out. Mike Hoffman is also a guy who's going to produce at least 20 goals, I think. Brendan Gallagher's point production is dropping off, but he is a a player that will fill out multi-categories 
in fantasy. So Brendan Gallagher, still, I think, a valuable, especially if he's getting second-line minutes in Montreal. I don't know what they're going to do with the power play. Now, the guy that I don't have in my roster for the Montreal Canadiens is Uri Slavkowski. And the Canadiens, and, and Dauber Hockey even has him here at nine games. Because I think he's going to play the rest of the time in, in Laval. He might be up and down a little bit. But I don't think Uri Slavkowski will crack the Canadiens roster this season. Other than a nine-game stint. And I mentioned the blue line. I guess the goals are going to have to come from somewhere. So Mike Matheson is is a decent byproduct of a average blue line. Uh, 40 point, but 10 goals. So especially if you're in a league that rewards goals more than assists. I like Joel Edmondson because he fills out a bunch of categories as well. And, you know, still might be, I think that point total could be low. And Jordan Harris, still a young player. So... Obviously, um, a decent forward cast, questionable defense, and certainly questionable goaltending. Is Jake Allen a number one goalie? I guess you're going to find out with no carry price again. And the answer, I think, is no. So the Canadians are one of those teams that are not going to be a good... You know, Yesterday, we talked about the Minnesota Wild, and we said the Minnesota Wild are not going to be a good fantasy team, but will be a good NHL team. I think it's the opposite. I think the Montreal Canadiens have some fantasy pieces, but they're not going to be a good NHL team. Now, they are, and I don't even think they have as many fantasy pieces as the Wild, so they're not great, but this is a team you should be targeting and looking at when it comes to a dynasty league. Doc, Slavkowski, Caulfield, Suzuki. If you're trying to rebuild on the fly, this is a good young team to try to do it if these guys are uh, available in your draft. So that's a look at the Montreal Canadiens from Dauber Hockey. Uh, feel free to chime in. Give me your thoughts on what you think the Canadians will be like this season. And whether or not you think there is some fantasy value. All right, so in case you missed it last segment with Tom Gazzola, here's something new calling this is how old we are. This is Alex Lafreniere at Rangers camp looking at a disposable camera. Yeah. Is that right? No, you gotta wait till they develop them. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is so right? good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> looks, oh, where's the picture? No, you gotta wait till they develop them. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. That is rich. That's a new segment. That shows how old we are. Like, you used to take those on vacation, or you get them at weddings, and you take a bunch of pictures, and then you got to wait until they develop. Like, that's the era I grew up, where you had to wait and get stuff developed. So, some funny stuff from uh, New York Ranger camp. And once again, this from New York Ranger land, or New York Yankee land last night. That got a rally going for the Yankees and puts Aaron Judge on level playing field with the Babe. Three infielders on the left side for Judge, and here's the 3 1. Drill deep to left field. There it goes. Number 60. Slide over, Babe. You've got some company. Aaron James Judge. 
has tied George Herman Babe Ruth with 60 home runs. It is 440, uh, or 540 rather, in uh, the Eastern Time Zone. This is Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily on uh, Ultimate Fantasy Sports Network. And uh, we're just going to wrap up the show in this final segment. We will get to uh, some of your questions if you have them. Uh, Take a look at the projections for week number three. And we'll dive back into some uh, baseball news as well. But we talked about Aaron Judge before we went to break. This is our poll question or our question of the day. Are you more intrigued by Judge or Pujols uh, chasing history? Aaron Judge or Albert Pujols, what are you more intrigued by when it comes to uh, these two guys and uh, their chase for history. Judge obviously trying to hit at least 62 home runs, break the record of Roger Maris set in 1961, and Albert Pujols is trying to get to 700 home runs, uh, which I think only three people have done. Um, Let me just check. Because he just passed... um, uh, A-Rod uh, for fourth. So, yeah, Barry Bonds, Hank Aaron, and uh, Babe Ruth, and uh, Albert Pujols at 698. So if you had to choose who gets what record, what would you choose? I, I have to give Pujols because he's retiring and Judge is coming back. So I would give Pujols if I had to choose which one. So this is Aaron Judge uh, once again after last night with 60 home runs and where he sits among history's greatest. 61 and 61 for Maris. That is the record in the American League. And then you get into uh, 1999 to 2001 uh, where the PEDs were flowing. They were making it rain with PEDs. But Judge is making his case, and he has now won me over uh, for MVP because he is now in rarefied air as far as Triple Crown. He's the first Yankee since Mickey Mantle won the Triple Crown in 1956 to lead all three categories this late in September. And he is right now on track to have the highest OPS ever in September. That's why he is back on track. Like, he had such an incredible... He had 36 home runs in the first three months of the season. And then, like the Yankees, everything went downhill. And I still don't know why people are pitching fast, throwing fastballs to him. Why? Just Do you like losing? Do you, you want to be historic? Is that why? I don't get it. You know what else I don't get? Why aren't enough people, why aren't more people talking about how good the Dodgers are this season? Look at this for, this does not include Walker Bueller. 
or Dustin May. Bueller's out now. May has just come back. Like, that's how good this team is. Oh, and, you know, Trevor Bauer was a talented pitcher. If, you know, if he's guilty of the things he did, he's a terrible person. But he's also not pitching. So this is a pitching staff that doesn't have Cy Young guy in Bueller, Cy Young in, in Bauer, and future Cy Young in May. Jose Urias, or Julio Urias, rather, 17-7, and 2.27 ERA. 7.08 win percentage. The Cat, Tony Goslin, 9.41 with a 2.10 ERA. Tyler Anderson, eh, just plug him in, 15-3. and three. And then Kirsch at 9-3. and three. All sub-3 ERA. So no team has had four pitchers finish a season with a 700 percentage winning and sub three ERA, minimum 15 games since ERA became official in 1913. It's ridiculous how good the Dodgers have been. Yet, they still might not break the record of 116 wins set by the Seattle Mariners in 2001. So on June 12th, the Dodgers were 37 and 23 on pace for a hundred wins. They wrapped up a win on Sunday night with a series sweep. They are 64 and 21 in their last 85 games. They've lost three of 27 series and split another 13 and one in their five series with San Francisco playing a role in the complete breakdown of the club, which last season upended them all. They are just rolling. So getting to 116 is going to be really, really, really tough. Even though they have four games against the Diamondbacks, six against the Rockies. So they need to go 12-3 and against Arizona. Or they have been 12-3 and against Arizona. So there is some hope, but... I don't know. I, it's 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 not going to be the greatest season ever, but it's still worth talking about. They have the 16th best run differential of all time. And 11 of those teams in front of them played in years beginning with an 18. So they're going to soon get past the 1936 Yankees, the 02 Pirates, giving them the third best in the modern era. And only the Bronx Bombers, Yankees of 27 and 39 will remain out of reach. The last team to surrender less than 500 runs in a full season, 1972 Orioles. Dodgers have 458, 3.14 per game. And they're getting almost 50,000 fans a game. So they might go over 4 million. So it's crazy. They're really good article from Defector.com uh, where some of these, uh, Ginny Searle uh, wrote this article. Really impressive season, and not enough people are discussing it. Like, they're so far ahead of everybody else that not enough talk is going on about the Dodgers. This is a team that has been so good in the last 10 years. Like, it's ridiculous. So how about this? Teams to win 100-plus games in three straight full seasons, the Dodgers right now, the Astros from 2017 to 2019, 
the Yankees from 02 to 04, the 97 to 99 Braves, 69 to 71 Orioles, 42 to 44 Cardinals, 29 to 31 A's. So that's the LA Dodgers are already in that category with three straight 100 plus win seasons. But here's the thing. The Dodgers won 106 in 2019 and 2021. The only team to win 105 plus games in three straight seasons is the 1942-44 Cardinals. 42-43-44. No team has ever done it with 106 wins. And that's what L.A. could do. So since 2014, the Dodgers are 922 and 581. Again, not enough people are talking about how good this football or this baseball team. Is it jealousy? Maybe. You know, and they do have some superstars. Every player in their roster has been in an all-star game. But I still don't think they're getting the respect. It's like whole home Dodgers won 106 games again. Seriously? Is it the West Coast thing? Is it that they're so far ahead of everybody? And is this a good thing for your fantasy players? You might not think it is. Here's why I think it is. Guys like Max Muncie, Justin Turner, uh, haven't had great seasons. They want this time when things are red hot to turn it around. Guys also that are having good seasons can get a little bit of rest. If you're in a playoff format like UFLB that goes into the playoffs, you want your guys healthy and rested and ready to go. Also, maybe some guys will relax a little bit. Maybe this allows Cody Bellinger to just swing easy because they know they're so far ahead. So I think it's actually a good thing. Uh, some of the pitchers can can work on a few things knowing that they have such a good lead. Uh, and it's confidence. It's all about building confidence for me uh, heading into the, the postseason. doesn't mean you're going to win for sure, but certainly I think uh, it's, it's an impressive story that – like I said, not enough people are talking about... Like, there's more people talking about Shohei Otani and the crappy Angels than how good the Dodgers are. That's wrong. It's just wrong. All right. Our top three today was week three questions. And one of the questions I have is, are your Dolphins for real when it comes to fantasy? They're going to get tested against the Bills for sure. Could the Falcons be your answer? They've given up almost 60 points in two weeks. Start your Seahawks. And in Joe you trust? Joe Flacco putting up some fantasy points so far, getting it done for the Jets. Do not trust Joe long-term, but right now he could be filling a void, especially if you're somebody that lost a guy like Dak Prescott, uh, etc. Uh, Zidane Chara retiring uh, yesterday. We talked about Chara, Keith Yandel, and P.K. Subban. This is incredible. He signed a one-day contract with Boston and just one of three players in NHL history to score a goal before turning 22 and after turning 45, joining Gordie Howe. Uh, that is definitely very cool. Um, Brett Ritchie signing a one-year $750,000 deal with the Calgary Flames. Uh, so there you go. That's uh, some news. Uh, I'll just see if we got anything else. 
going on here in uh, the world of signings. Corey Schneider has signed with the New York Islanders. I thought Corey Schneider was retiring, uh, but he signs for the league minimum of $750,000. Nikita Shoshinkov signs a $750,000 deal with the New York Islanders as well. And I think that's it for uh, signings uh, today. Uh, I did see um, uh, some news that Slater Cuckoo is missing Euler camp uh, to deal with some mental health issues. And I will just say, I think that's uh, excellent. Um, You know, I don't think it's excellent that he's doing, that he's having mental health issues, obviously. I think it's excellent that he's addressing them and taking some time. Uh, Like I said, I just did this um, in April. I, I took some time off and actually... Um, got my head right and because things were wrong. So bravo to Slater Cuckoo. Um, hopefully he will return uh, to the Edmonton Oilers uh, and the roster uh, at some point. Uh, Kyle Davidson of the Blackhawks GM saying they are not anywhere near dealing Patrick Kane or Jonathan Taves, meaning basically nobody's coming up to his asking price. That's that's what it is. They would be close to trading Kane and Taves if they got the asking price. You don't want to go through this whole season, every visitor stop you go to, and Kane and Taves are answering the same questions. They want to get traded now. Fantasy GMs want them traded now. Chicago Blackhawk fans probably want to know what they're getting back now. It's just that Davidson doesn't have his asking price, so that's why he's saying he's nowhere near trading these guys. Child, please. Come on, we don't buy that. We know if you got your asking price, you would have traded both of them. Nobody wants that distraction. Bruce Boudreaux saying not making the playoffs would be a big disaster for the Canucks. Not signing Bo Horvat long-term would be an even bigger disaster for the Vancouver Canucks. So let's hope that gets done. But it does not sound like they are very close. Uh, I'm guessing Horvat wants something that starts with an 8, and the Canucks would like something that starts with a 7. Split the middle and go for 7.5. Get it done long-term. Oh, this is interesting, too. Uh, I just saw this. Brendan Shanahan has informed Kyle Dubas no extension is coming for right now. Pierre Lebrun tweeting, Dubas says he was informed by Brendan Shanahan this summer that no extension was coming at this point in time, which, again, the Leafs GM insists he's okay with, given the fact they haven't delivered yet in the playoffs. He's comfortable being judged after this season. Yeah, that... Doesn't that seem fair to everyone? I mean, win a playoff round, get an extension. How about that? That seems like where it should be. And I'm not saying this is Kyle Dubas' fault because he doesn't play the games. He put together, I think, a decent roster, obviously top-heavy, but good enough. Other teams uh, have gotten past the first round that are also top-heavy. So while I, I, you know, I agree with this, you're not going to win a playoff round you shouldn't be the gm and you go somewhere and you find success there doesn't mean he's a bad gm just like dallas akins in edmonton wasn't a great coach here but is doing a better job in anaheim so if kyle dubas doesn't get to the playoffs he's going to be looking for a job i think that's normal now having said that this is on the players this is totally on the players man this is, the gm has given them the tools 
and they have fallen flat. So for me, it's on the players. They had a franchise best 115 points last year, and still, like, what did Kyle Dubas do in the playoffs? wasn't his fault. So I still think that if he doesn't win, he's uh, probably uh, right to not get any kind of extension. And this is an interesting situation. We talked with Tom Gazzola about Jacob Chikrin. He wants out, but where is he going to go? And, and Tom brought up the fact that, you know, teams right now are trying to, you know, there's they're, they're trying to figure out the cap. There's not a lot of teams that have a massive amount of cap other than teams like Arizona. Chikrin's 4-6, so you, know, you got to look at the the uh, the cap numbers. I don't even know if there is. Okay, so you got to get down to the Winnipeg Jets. The Winnipeg Jets have four, exactly four six. So there are nine teams that could fit Chikrin in right now. And obviously, you would have to trade back some cap. Like the Edmonton Oilers would probably be like to trade uh, Barry. Uh, they, you know, they like to probably, if they're especially if they're bringing Chittering back in. But th- what else has to go into that? And Jesse Pugliarvi, as, as Tom and I talked about, probably not a good centerpiece for a trade. I don't think you are going to get a player of Jacob Chikrin for Pugliarvi as the centerpiece. Or you're, you're, you're giving up a lot of picks because you also get the salary. You have to get the salary out as well. So... All right. Thanks so much, uh, everybody, for uh, dropping in the show today. Uh, appreciate the uh, chatter, uh, the comments, uh, and just watching. Also, big thanks uh, to Andy McNamara. Remember, Ultimate Fantasy Football Sundays at 11 a.m. right here on twitch.tv slash ultimate fantasy sports. And we heard from Tom Gazzola, who hosts the TSN 1260 post-game show on TSN 1260 when the Oilers are in action. And he's also a correspondent for NHL.com. Thanks so much for tuning in today. We're back again tomorrow, 4 to 6, big hockey show tomorrow. Uh, we will have Marty Murray, head co- or GM of the Brandon Wheat Kings, Guy Flaming of the Pipeline Show to preview the WHL. And we will take a look at some forwards you need to look at in the NHL. We'll also get you prepped for the Browns, and the Steelers. This has been Ultimate Fantasy Sports Daily. My name is Dean Millard. Have yourself a wonderful rest of your Wednesday evening. Take care. Thanks, now. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.